0: What's up, everyone? Tara Roberts here, and welcome to the Dear Miss Fantasy Show for Player Profiler. For week 14, we are the official mailbag show of Player Profiler. We're going to go ahead and dive right in because we got a ton of topics to cover this week because it is a big week for most people. It is the last week before the fantasy playoffs. So this is a critical week for everyone. We've got some start sick questions. We've got mailbag questions. We've got streaming questions. We've got injury updates. We've got all kinds of stuff. So it's going to be a good show. Stick around. And we're going to start off with, I'm just going to dive right into it. We're going to start off with my big topic of the week that I wanted to talk about. The Kansas City Chiefs. What is wrong with the Kansas City Chiefs? That's a major question here. Packers beat the Chiefs. 27-19 27 to 19 in primetime. Primetime, Jordan Love stepped up. Is he like the opposite of Kirk Cousins, maybe? Hmm, I don't know. We'll see. But he stepped up, beat the Kansas City Chiefs, outperforms Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes had 21 completions on 33 attempts, 210 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Jordan Love out there looking fantastic. 25 completions on 36 attempts, 267 yards, three. Touchdowns, spreading the ball around, hitting his playmakers, and it was really just fantastic to watch. Because from a you know from a whole team perspective, they came out aggressive. They didn't come out conservative. It was a good game plan to just go ahead and attack the Chiefs right off the bat. Not attempt uh, not attack it from like a timid perspective. And Jordan Love has been on a tear recently. Side note, before I dive into Patrick Mahomes. Jordan, you know, maybe I save this because we're actually going to talk about Jordan Love a little bit later, but he's been on a tear recently. After some shaky performances and some questionable coaching, in my opinion, it seems like maybe Matt LaFleur has kind of figured out exactly how to use his quarterback, trying to not make him Aaron Rodgers, let him be a little more of Jordan Love. And it's working. Um, the flag, the Packers just flat out looked like the better team here. They looked like a team that is making a playoff push. And I know, I know that people, you know, the NFC, we can all admit that it's the weaker conference, right? Anybody and everybody can make the playoffs. Realistically, the Packers are right there. They're, they're, they are set to make the playoffs. They control their own destiny. Um, and they have a really good schedule to close out the season. We legitimately could be looking at this team in the playoffs on the opposite end. We've got the Chiefs, who are, you know, they're going to make the playoffs. They're a solid team. They're a contender. But in contrast to the Packers, the Chiefs look like they are spiraling out of control, that they are no longer an actual Super Bowl contender. And, you know, the AFC, it's interesting because they have a ton of contenders, but no one is perfect in that division. So the Chiefs are still right in it. But when you're looking across the board, there's just something that is just, and even expanding it to the top teams in the NFC as well, because we've got, obviously, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles coming off that bad performance. But overall, we've got a ton of offensive firepower combined with decent defenses. And, you know, you look at somebody like the San Francisco 49ers, the Dallas Cowboys, and then you look at the Chiefs and something is just, it's just not clicking, right? So I wanted to Take this week in the show and really dive into what is wrong with the Kansas City Chiefs. Can they recover? What What is the true issue here? And kind of looking back to this game with the Packers, it was very encouraging to see Rasheed Rice um, solid, solidly being the wide receiver one in this offense. Rasheed Rice had eight uh, eight receptions on nine targets. Against a healthier Green Bay secondary, they had some issues. They had, you know, several players on IR, you know, Jair Alexander had been battling through injuries, but they're, they've been looking healthier last week and they traditionally have been a strong secondary. That was their strength. Run defense was the issue. Secondary was fine. Um, so it was good to see Rasheed Rice have a solid game in which he obviously should have had, you know, strong coverage. But the problem here, and I think this kind of just points out the big issue, Eight receptions, and he only had 64 yards. When you look across the board at, let's say, CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb gets eight receptions. You know CeeDee Lamb is going over 100 yards. You know he's getting a touchdown. You, you know these things. Keenan Allen, Stephon Diggs. Ugh. I mean, we can even go back further to, you know, Justin Jefferson, you know, going to be coming off IR, or off IR, but coming going to be returning soon. <sighs> Your top receiver in your offense gets eight receptions. He should not be getting 64 yards. That doesn't make any logical sense. But that's really the issue here. The utilization of the wide receivers here, how the offense is functioning is just a major problem. When you look at these statistics, Patrick Mahomes has 444 attempts. Josh Allen, so just comparison. You know, he's throwing for a hefty amount. It's not not Sam Howell level of hefty chucking the ball, um, who I love. Not, it's not an insult to Sam Howell, but just for perspective, Mahomes, 444, Josh Allen, 433, CJ Stroud, 418, Dak Prescott, 411. So it's not, he's throwing for volume. Volume is not the issue and it's not an outrageous amount of volume, unrealistic amount of volume. It's, you know, it's fine. The problem is they have no deep threat Their best receiver is being utilized underneath, short passing, kind of gimmicky. They love to try and scheme and be gimmicky, but I feel like they're doing a little bit too much of that. Kelsey catching underneath as well. If you have no actual deep threat, you're, you know, every now and then throwing the ball downfield to MVS, which is not really a solution for anybody's offense, ask (laughs) ask Green Bay. It's a problem. The, The statistics, when you look at them, Low yards per attempt for Patrick Mahomes. Low dot. Low passes over 20 yards. Let's compare it to some other players here. Brock Birdie, 9.6 yards per attempt. Patrick Mahomes. 7. Dak Prescott. 47 20-plus yard passes. Patrick Mahomes. 35. He's being outperformed across the board in every statistical category. When you're looking at those, those top 10 quarterbacks, He is being outperformed. Volume is the only thing that's kind of holding him together, but it's short volume. It's just not working for their offense to truly thrive. And it's not working for us from a fantasy perspective. We're drafting Patrick Mahomes as the first or second overall quarterback off the board. And he's not giving us that level of performance. I've seen many posts where people are pointing out online, like you just, you, you could have been so much Better if you drafted anybody but Patrick Mahomes. That is the big issue here. We've had a strong QB1 bounce back season. After a season in 2022 when quarterbacks were, you know, the top three were just separated so aggressively from everybody else, we've had a nice bounce back season where QB1 has become deeper. You got Sam Howell. You got Dak Prescott, who was drafted as a low-end QB1. Justin Herbert, obviously going through some struggles recently, but overall, fine season. Drafted him, obviously, outside of the top five quarterbacks. Um, it's just, it, it's it's a shame here, uh, everything that's going on with Patrick Mahomes. And we harp on the big drops by MVS, but overall, the Chiefs pass catchers have actually been oddly reliable in terms of their actual drop percentages. It's not bad. That's not the issue. It's the design of the offense here. It's not working and they need to adjust. One thing to also consider here is that they're also one year post Tyreek. Last year, it was an aggressive usage of Travis Kelsey, you know, integrating other receivers here and there, but they really just didn't really just didn't utilize receivers well, obviously, in terms of how they were approaching things last season. You had Juju, who was kind of operating as a high-end wide receiver three, sometimes low-end wide receiver two, but it's not working. You wonder if one year post-Tyreek, everyone just looked at this Chiefs offense and they're able to defensively scheme because they understand what this offense can't do and what it has to do. So if you know for a fact that the only thing they've got, and no offense to Rasheed Rice, love him, best receiver in there, they need to utilize him better. Um, but if you know that everything is going theoretically through Travis Kelsey and that's all they've got and that they don't know how to utilize the rest of their receivers, it's pretty simple to solve them defensively, unfortunately. When you're looking at Travis Kelsey, he's suffering. I don't think it's him you know, being older and hitting a wall. I don't think that's it. And a lot of times people still look at him and say, hes you're overreacting, Travis Kelsey, he's still a top tight end, he's still tight end one. Yeah, but he's not the tight end one that we drafted in the first round. This is not what we were expecting. The last game that Travis Kelsey had over 15 fantasy points was way back in week seven. It's week 14. That's bad, that's bad. He's being outperformed by guys that we drafted as tight end 13, 14, 15, 16, like it's, it's bad. Jake Ferguson, um, Sam LaHorta, Dalton Kincaid. It's just, it, this just isn't working for what you paid for him. This doesn't look like a Super Bowl contending team. They've got major adjustments to make. And I just don't know if those adjustments can be made in week 14. This This Chiefs offense is just probably it is what it is right now, unfortunately. No one else, again, is kind of running away with the conference in the AFC. All the teams have their faults. But from a fantasy perspective, this is very painful. I don't know if this is going to change, unfortunately. We've talked about what's wrong with Patrick Mahomes, what's wrong with the Chiefs. I think we can identify it pretty easily. I don't know if it's something that they can solve over the next several weeks. We're still, you know, Patrick Mahomes is still a QB one. But is he a guy that we're looking at and saying he's a must start? He's a top five quarterback. You know, he's he's excellent independent of matchups. No, I don't think so, unfortunately. Um, So, yeah, it's not a bench situation. We're not obviously we can't bail out now because most of your past your trade deadlines. But unfortunately, you just got to look at this as it is. And consider if you have been rostering streaming options and they're in a better matchup, you might, you might need to pivot. You might need to pivot. And we'll talk about some streaming options here in a second. But before we talk about the streaming options, we are going to hear a word from our sponsor. Hey, so many ask me what's wrong with sports books. Why so many of them fail? The answer is simple. They don't innovate. They're just casino sports books on a phone that's all they've been. There are a few that are doing a good job. We partner with them. Most of them, not so much, until Bet Openly came along. Bet Openly said, hey, we're going to innovate. We're going to do something groundbreaking. We're going to have peer to peer betting in all states, and you pay 1%. When you win, you pay just 1% on your winnings. You heard that right. It's 1%. With Code Underworld, you qualify for just that 1% transaction fee. On bet openly, it gives you ultimate flexibility to set your own lines and browse lines that others have set. Think about it. That's what betting should be. And now that is the reality. Betopenly.com. The code is underworld. Check it out. Sorry, guys, I just realized I um, had muted myself during the uh, little commercial break there. Um, oh, no, I'm so sorry about that. Um, man, that's that's not good for the podcast version. Sorry about that, guys. Um, <laughs> we got to to talk streaming quarterbacks here. Um, streaming quarterbacks, four week, 14 and beyond. We had a mailbag question here. Would you go with, Winston, Browning, Levis, or Flacco to replace Lawrence for however long he is out. That is the true question here, and it's actually fairly simple for me. Um, Browning is my preferred streaming option for this week, and it's not even—it's not even really that dramatic, um, and it's difficult of a. Um, Difficult of a decision, in my opinion, and it's not recency biased. It's not just the fact that um, coming off that big performance there, where he looked excellent, he looked really, really good. It's not that. I promise. Um, it is the fact that. And, uh, sorry, and I also have <laughs> he. Um, I do a um, video uh, beat the waiver wire every single week. You can like find it on my um, Twitter, on my Linktree, and last week. Um, my recommended quarterback ad <clears throat> was Jake Browning because you wanted to grab him before a potential blow-up game against Jacksonville, and that is exactly what happened. So this is kind of a a long, um, not a long, you know, a multi-week thing where Browning was someone who I was looking at for a while, and this game just kind of solidified it here. That you know we'll need to see what it truly is in a in a difficult matchup, and maybe Pittsburgh was kind of the it was a, it was the first start, so we do have to keep that in mind. But maybe Pittsburgh was the definitive um, kind of answer there in terms of a difficult matchup, because Pittsburgh is technically a difficult matchup in general. They're up and down sometimes, but defensively, um, in terms of the pass, they can be extremely stout, and in the run as well, but they can be extremely stout. So it's not surprising that that was kind of a <clears throat> an average you know, game from him in his first game. Um, all things considered, it was very encouraging this performance right here was beyond encouraging. And what makes him the preferred streaming option here is the matchup one is excellent. You got job security. You've got the best set of weapons of all these streaming options, you know, maybe outside of uh, Josh Dobbs, if Jefferson is on the full workload. But outside of that, I mean, Browning just has everything lining up perfectly for him. When you look at these other quarterbacks, again, you know, the problem here with uh, Jameis Winston is long-term job security Um, in terms of, you know, Derek Carr, I could lean that direction. I could lean towards Jameis Winston as the long-term safer bet, theoretically, based off pure volume and knowing how he can be. If we knew that there was going to be a multi-week injury here from Carr. Um, Will Levis, most job security, least upside, unfortunately. And then Joe Flacco, not a ton of job security as well. Theoretically, theoretically, we have job security with him uh, based off that performance, you would think. But um, there is no guarantee that they don't flip and flop as the remainder of the season goes on because they do consider themselves contenders. So it's possible that they can ebb and flow with what they feel is best for their team. So Jake Browning, um, absolutely someone that we need to be looking at in terms of streaming options this week and beyond. Moving on to another mailbag question here with streaming options. Jordan Love is not a streaming option, but he is listed in this question. Starts set question, Jordan Love, Jake Browning or Josh Dobbs? <clears throat> Again, you know, love the matchup here for Jake Browning. He would be honestly maybe my second preferred option here, given the matchup, but it is Jordan love. Jordan love is the answer here. Um, and I'm actually going to integrate a, another mailbag question here. Um, we had from someone else is Jordan love a must start rest of season. And absolutely. Yeah, he, he, he is, um, the only game that I would not start him in is they have a game against Carolina, maybe week 16 or something. Um, I would not start him in that game. That is, we at this point, we know for sure that Carolina's defense is an absolute no go in terms of quarterbacks. You know, wide receivers can still have strong games. We saw Mike Evans have a strong performance, despite the fact that Baker Mayfield didn't have an incredibly strong performance. You know, they're good at stopping the quarterbacks, but if you've got one clear wide receiver, one, um, the wide receiver one can still thrive if that wide receiver one is absolutely excellent. But in general, Carolina, you don't want to start the quarterbacks against them. They've held Dak Prescott to um, sub 200 yards. They've held CJ Stroud to sub 200 passing yard. Like it's just, it's a no go at this point. So Jordan Love, I would not start him in that game, but outside of that, outside of that, yeah, he's a must start. He's a must start. And the beauty of what Jordan Love has been doing, diving into it a little bit more, he has been this kind of surge that he's been on over the last several weeks. It has come without rushing upside. And that is key right there because the legs were carrying him earlier in the season. He was getting the go ahead in terms of those goal line touchdowns. Um, when they were struggling to with, um, AJ Dillon actually, you know, Aaron Jones out AJ Dillon struggling to, you know, be an actual successful goal line back, despite the fact that he, you know, physically that's your size. You should be a goal line back. Um, But we haven't seen that rushing upside for Jordan Love over the past month or so. It's not there. This is production that is coming through the air. This is his pass volume. This is him. This is him. We're not adding rushing upside on top of it. This is really encouraging. This is fantastic to see that he has the capabilities from a passing perspective to operate as a QB1 in fantasy. So this is a a fantastic sign. And again, the rest of season schedule... Outside of that Carolina game, good for Jordan Love. Very good. Good for the Packers. Very good. So we're going to continue this. It's working. Matt LaFleur has found a little bit of something, which is not shocking. I think they were kind of approaching him in the wrong way and not understanding that he clearly, like visibly. I hate to bring up he who's now, like I'm a Packers fan. like He whose name we cannot mention for the Packers prior quarterback um, before Aaron Rodgers. Um, you, you have to admit, and I know it's a lofty comparison to make, obviously, this is not a direct comparison, but you have to admit that Jordan Love has more of that gunslinger mentality, right? You can see it in the way that he throws, the way that he operates. He just functions better from that sense. So if they can approach him Less as a pocket passer who can be a little bit mobile and obviously super mobile, but um, try and fitting him into that Aaron Rodgers mold just because he studied under him. Understand that that's not really who he is, that he has more of that gunslinger mentality. And if they keep up with that, we're we're seeing solid, solid production from Love rest of season. And I think it continues because it's working and they're winning. Uh, Moving on to some other topics that we can cover here. Defensive trends. I I did some defensive trends last week, and this one will be super quick because these are very, very clear here, but it's just something that you, you want to put out because it's not only applicable from a fantasy perspective, um, from, uh, from betting, from DFS. Um, I utilized this in DFS last week and it was, you know, went very well here, um, Philadelphia's defense, it is a lighted up through the air situation. This is not changing. Um, and the, obviously from a fantasy perspective, unless Brandon Cooks is on your waivers, you can't really go out there and theoretically kind of attack this situation because Dallas Cowboys are obviously super high rostered players. But in general with football and all the other areas that you're touching in, like if you're betting in DFS, um, you need to really hone in on the fact that you're not looking at the Philadelphia defense on the ground. You're looking at attacking them aggressively through the air. You want the quarterbacks and the pass catchers opposing the Philadelphia defense because it is incredibly consistent, incredibly consistent. Similarly, the Jags and Cincinnati defense, um, <laughs> as we saw in that little, uh, in that game, that offensive display where, um, both quarterbacks look good. Volume was there. Wide receivers hitting hard and heavy. Um, this was a situation where, again, these are two teams that are very, very pass friendly. And a lot of times with streaming quarterbacks, there are two routes that you can take. And you want to go one direction aggressively or the other direction aggressively. You don't want to sit in that middle area. You either want to stick with the the known, the reliable in a guy like a Matt Stafford, who even if, if, if it's a bad matchup, you can say definitively that you trust him. If not, you want to go with the most optimal streaming matchup. And these are two teams, two defenses that are incredibly, incredibly optimal. Cincinnati and the Jags, which is, again, um, leaning towards why what was so heavy on Jake Browning this week. So just keep that in mind. Um, one more mailbag question here. Uh, is it time to cut Miles Sanders? Ah, yeah, yeah, it is. Let's answer that one really simple here. I was holding on to hope with Miles Sanders and I'm going to, I'm going to read some statistics because these are very specific and I cannot do this off the top of my head, but it is very, very, very clear statistically that Miles Sanders is being outperformed by Chuba Hubbard. It's not even just looking at it in terms of saying, oh, okay, well, you know, carries, yards per carry, snap count. No, no, no. You can dive deeper into it and see when we're actually looking at comparisons. um, There's a very clear pattern here with Hubbard outperforming him. When you look at their touches, they have Sanders and Tuba Hubbard have identical touch per snap rates. When you look at their fantasy points per touch, in PPR. Miles Sanders is at 0.54. Chuba Hubbard is at 0.73. That doesn't seem like a dramatic difference, right? That's actually a really dramatic difference. (laughs) Let's make a comparison here with other players. Guys that have in that similar 0.73 range that Chuba Hubbard is in, it's guys like Ramondre Stevenson, James Conner, Najee Harris. They're not the top backs, but they get it done. They're clear RB1s and, you know, Najee Harris, you know, you can debate and whatnot on that one, but, you know, he's performing well and um, still reliable as a top 24 back. But those are the guys that Chuba Hubbard is on par with. When you look at that 0.54 statistic for Miles Sanders, do you know who that's on par with? That's a very similar, guys that have that similar number, Dalvin Cook. Tyler Algier, Rashad Penny. That's not good. Statistically, Miles Sanders is underperforming. Chuba Hubbard outperforming him. It's. T- I don't think this is going to flip. I don't think this is going to flip. I don't think that Miles Sanders is going to earn his job back. It's time to cut the cord, unfortunately. You can drop him. He's a handcuff. He's a handcuff. And unfortunately, he's performing so poorly that I don't think he's a handcuff with actual upside. If Chuba Hubbard were to go down and Miles Sanders were to step back into the lead role, I I don't see a situation where he's getting more than 10 fantasy points in a game. There's not a ton of upside. Raheem Blackshear is actually more in terms of, you know, those fantasy points per touch, more on par with um, Chuba Hubbard. So it would probably be a backfield or committee backfield anyway, unfortunately. So I don't think that that's a direction you can lean in any scenario. I'm willing to cut him. He's not a high upside handcuff in my opinion. Going over injuries real quick before we close things out with some stuff. Start sick questions. We're gonna do some major ones. We're not gonna cover all the injuries because there's a lot of you know nick nicked up guys and potentially one week absence kind of guys. One thing that I did want to clear up: uh, just remember, Derrick Henry is not in concussion protocol, Um, but Tajay Spears is definitely worth an add. So if people maybe you know saw that he had clear concussion protocol or was not in concussion protocol and that he's gonna play and he's gonna be fine and they didn't make waiver wire claims on him and he's still on the wire, grab him because I think he displayed exactly why he is worth a stash and worth an ad on your bench. You're not starting him. And we've got to start sit question later on this. Um, we're we're not starting Tajay Spears, but he's a high upside handcuff that you want on your fantasy bench. And next week's show, I'm going to talk about some, um, some planning for the playoffs and preparation for the playoffs for everybody. So that'll be one of the things that I cover in terms of um, ideal bench players uh, Ramadre Stevenson's ankle, high ankle sprain. Oh my God. So frustrating. So frustrating. Um, uh, but the, what that means is that we get to dive into a mailbag question here. What is the trust level with Ezekiel Elliott? And I love this question because the trust level is it's it's like an A on a scale of like, you know, actual grades, it's an A, which is wild to say. Um, because the Patriots offense is so terrible. It's horrendous, right? we don't we don't have an official starting quarterback. We've got an offense that straight up can't score points even against a poor defensive matchup. It's a bad situation here, despite the fact that you know they're well, no, and the good thing here is that their defense is performing at a high level, which sucks for. <laughs> Sucks for New England, because really, if their offense could just kind of be mildly competent, this would be a wildly different situation, but they're not, unfortunately. But our, truff, our trust level is high with Zeke, because we're talking about a volume situation here. Uh, so obviously, if you added Zeke on waivers and you're wondering, like, am I rolling him out this week? Yeah, you are. You're rolling him out as a top 24 back. Because he has volume. His He hasn't looked bad this season. We know for sure that if the Patriots do manage to get towards the goal line and they don't have a terrible schedule, if they do manage to get towards the goal line, um Zeke is very good at falling in the end zone. That is a very good skill set of his. And he has that receiving upside that gives him a nice floor. This past week he had four receptions, 40 yards. That's it. That's like that's a built-in eight fantasy points, regardless of what he does on the ground. That's perfection. Um yeah, we're trusting Zeke. We're going back to the well here. He is a reliable start. Rest, um, not rest, well, <laughs> potentially rest of fantasy season with the high ankle sprain, obviously having a, a multi-week absence for Mondray Stevenson, unfortunately. Another running back injury here, we've got Brian Robinson um, bye week. So unfortunately, we're not going to know a lot of details here in terms of severity, but... Chris Rodriguez is someone that you can look at as a deep waiver ad on the buy, or on the bye week here, add him cheap. Um, you can do it post waivers, not spend anything, not lose waiver priority or any of that good stuff. Because if this is a multi-week absence here, we know factually that Antonio Gibson will not be used as a workhorse. The last time Antonio Gibson had um over 10 carries was in <laughs> was in uh 2022, mid 2022. That's bad. It's been over a year since we were able to see Antonio Gibson trusted as a workhorse running back. Um, And I do think that when you look at Chris Rodriguez, he is someone that profiles, he's a, he's a big guy. He's a bruiser. He profiles as a workhorse running back, somebody that can do the goal line touches. And obviously he's not, you know, doesn't have receiving upside, but neither did Brian Robinson. So just keep that in mind. Uh, Moving on to the wide receivers. This one is really critical for me, in my opinion, um, for you guys, in my opinion. Um, Christian Watson dealing with that hamstring injury. You need to look at Dontavian and Wicks. Um, I know there's skepticism around. We've talked about Jordan Love and the skepticism around here kind of keeps his pass catchers kind of pushed down a little bit. No, um, Wicks is a very promising, promising rookie. And the thing that I want to point out here real quick with Dontavian Wicks is that a lot of times what we see with, um, wide receivers getting injured you, you logically think, okay, it's going to flow on down. We're going to get increased usage from Jaden Reed, Romeo Dobbs. And that's that's true, right? But the biggest beneficiary is often the person who... Fits more into the specific role that that wide receiver has because every wide receiver has their specific role within the team. And Dontavian Wicks is actually not a one for one replacement because Christian Watson is very talented, but he, you know, physically and skill set wise is the replacement for Christian Watson. He is that deep threat, that big play guy. He plays directly behind Christian Watson in terms of role. He had already been getting, you know, significant involvement in the offense here multiple weeks now, um, multiple weeks here with a minimum of four targets in a game. That's pretty significant considering he's had an incredibly low snap count. So when they send him in, they are targeting him. They trust him. Jordan Love trusts him. Matt Lafleur trusts him. This could be a good thing. Dante van Wicks, I'm just saying. Um, and then the other big one that we want to talk about here, Tank Dell. Um, I'm going to make a video and put it on social media, just kind of Talking about Tank Dell as a whole because it needs a dedicated time to just kind of wax poetically on the loss of Tank Dell because it's painful. This one hurt me. This one is right up there with the loss of um, Tuba Hubbard or huh, um, Nick. Sorry, my chubs um, got confused. <laughs> Nick Chubb and um, J.K. Dobbins. In terms of injuries, it just kind of like really took you out because this was a potentially special combination season here in rookies for CJ Shroud and Tank Dell and Texans pushing for the playoffs and it just sucks that Tank Dell is not going to be there. Unfortunately, I think he deserved it. Would have loved to see that and see them make an actual playoff push. D'Amico Ryan's possibly, you know, coach of the year there. Um, Noah Brown obviously is the big beneficiary here. All right, we're going to close things out with some start sit questions. Jalen Warren versus Roshan Johnson. Uh, I like Roshan as a add if he's on your waiver wires. I, I I think it's possible that he could be the back with the most production, depending on how everything shakes out with Don Foreman and what level, what capacity he could come back to this week. But Jalen Warren, despite the fact that he has definitely fallen um, in terms of the Steelers being... Leaning more on Najee Harris, particularly at the goal line. But Jalen Warren still has involvement in the offense and upside. I lean towards Jalen Warren. Even though it feels like we haven't been able to truly trust him as a start. Um, Next start set question. Keaton Mitchell versus Tajay Spears. We talked about Tajay Spears earlier. Um, Derek Henry, concussion not happening. So he's good to go. Um, Keaton Mitchell, however, it's riskier because, again, we've got this split backfield. But prior to the bye week, you know, we kind of remember there um, prior to the bye week, he did kind of seem to push a little bit further than Gus Edwards. So that's something to keep our eye on. I feel like we could trust him maybe um, coming off of this bye, looking at him and feeling like he has high-end RB3 potential here with possible, um, you know, RB2 upside. So I lean towards keaton mitchell is the guy with the most upside here um mailbag question technically (laughs) this is a start well they're all mailbag but um this one is uh zach moss versus literally anybody else so it's more of like a mailbag question question can we actually trust him um yeah last week was disappointing but i will say we were basing um everything off of Zach Moss's earlier performances. He did extremely well against Tennessee previously. We might've overestimated that maybe that was a blip and that Tennessee's run defense still is strong overall. So it's possible that we did just have matchup issue here, right? And Zach Moss, I'm feeling him a little bit more this week. It's not a bad matchup Cincinnati. So Yes, we are, we're trusting Zach Moss this week. You do need to start him. We'll get a. I'm going to get a lot of starts. Questions about about Zach Moss this week. Um, Joe Mixon versus David Montgomery. I am. I have low trust levels with Joe Mixon because obviously he can. He gives you, he gives you one massive week every single season and excuse his fantasy production into thinking that he's a solid RB one. He is technically not, but. Um, this is a wonderful matchup against Indianapolis. It's a wonderful matchup there. This game has shootout potential between Indy and Cincinnati. And when you're looking at the run defenses as well, uh, this is a fantastic matchup. Indianapolis has been lit up against the run running back after running back after running back. So it's, it's mixing for sure. Montgomery's matchup is fine. Um, we saw it a few weeks ago. It's his, you know, it's a second revenge game. Do you do well in your second revenge game in a season? I don't know. Cause we don't typically see that these guys going in division. Um, so we've got a baseline here. It was a good game it was about 17 fantasy points and that's cool. But I do think that Mixon has the higher upside here and the receiving upside as well. So safer for four. And one more start set question: uh, Gardner Minshew versus versus Cincinnati or Baker Mayfield? Again, like I didn't. <laughs> why did I pull only? um, Indianapolis, Cincinnati questions. Looking at this, I see what I did there. (laughs) Maybe that tips my hand and my topic of the week should have really been, I like Cincinnati and since in Indianapolis. Yes. That's we can adjust the show to Tara likes Cincinnati and Indianapolis this week. We are gung ho on Jake Browning, Baker Mayfield, uh, Joe Mixon. We uh, we like Zach Moss. We man, I cannot believe I did that. I cannot believe I pulled exclusive almost exclusively questions from one game. <laughs> Freudian slip, right there. Um, we yeah, J- Jamar, Michael Whitman. I just yeah. Yeah, we like this matchup here. Um, it's Minshew that we want to start over Baker Mayfield. Baker is actually a drop candidate for me. Uh, he faces Atlanta this week. It is a tough matchup again. And he's fine in terms of a not even a decent floor. Um He's an okay quarterback. Is okay, good good for you baker mayfield redemption um game, but he doesn't look right. He's playing through being nicked up, um it just this matchup is not good. he has a bad matchup next week i Baker mayfield is not someone who I am looking to roster or stream. There are just simply better options out there, so I would go i I don't feel like he's someone that you even need to hold on to at this point. And that wraps things up. That is our last start sit question. I am so, so that's wild. I sat here and pulled start sits and had zero clue that I was honing in on one specific game with every single answer. <laughs> but Hey, that tells you something. We like that matchup. Um, before I close out, by the way, make sure that you are following um, Player Profiler. Uh, live starts It show streams all across the board. Um, you know, Saturday night live starts or start sit questions on YouTube and Facebook. And Sunday night live stream before the game start at 12 p.m. EST. So make sure that you are watching those. Um, And that wraps things up. Again, if you have any questions, always, always uh, tag me, um, especially Twitter's the best way, but tag me on social media, um, hit me up, um, I'll answer them. And um, I got you covered. Don't worry. I got your back. I do my best. Uh, If you're listening to this on the podcast version. Please subscribe. It would be greatly appreciated. And if you're watching this on the YouTube channel, be sure to like the video. Drop me a comment. Um, I like the start sit questions in the comments. So if you drop me one there, I'll go back, check, and respond there. Um and again, make sure that you are subscribed to Player Profiler. That wraps things up. Make sure that you tune into next week's um next week's episode because again, we'll be covering a lot of playoff strategies. And um it'll be good. Even if you're even if you miss the playoffs, you know, you don't want, you want to win. Um, you don't want to come in last place, so don't check out. Don't check out um, if if you miss the playoffs barely. Um, go out with some pride. And then my Dynasty people, of course, were always checked in. But that wraps things up for us. All right, guys, I hope you have a wonderful week. Good luck with your lineups. I will talk to you again next week.